welcome to the Style That Finds Us podcast. Today, we are here with Amanda Reese. She is the Chief Marketing Officer at Living Proof. She went to Cornell and got her MBA at Wharton. Before starting at Living Proof, she worked as a consultant at IBM, and she worked as the VP of Strategy and Analytics at Digitize and was the CMO at both Unreal Candy and Saucony. Living Proof was created by stylists working with biotech scientists from MIT. Their products are free of silicones, parabens, phthalates, and animal testing. They are non-toxic and safe for color and chemically treated hair. Thank you for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to join you today for my kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, well, we are spread all across the U.S. right now, but we are thankful for technology for bringing us all together. Yes, amen to that. (laughs) So let's start right in. Tell us about when, I know you started at Living Proof in September 2019, so congratulations. That is exciting. Tell us about when was Living Proof started. It really seems like they were ahead of their time creating a brand without sulfates and all those ingredients. Yeah, definitely. Um, So Living Proof was established in 2005, and I definitely think the brand was ahead of its time, primarily because we had a really unique mix of founders, and you hinted to this yourself in the intro, but first we had biotech scientists from MIT, and they had absolutely no preconceived notions about what could be done in beauty, right? No idea whatsoever. Um, And then we had industry-leading stylists who were fed up with the limitations of conventional products. So together, they were really able to challenge hair care norms that I think have become more expected within the industry, and they really understood the biology of hair. So this group came together, and they recognized the need for silicone-free products to stop the cycle of damage that consumers really unleash on their hair. And since day one, harmful ingredients have not had any place in our hair care line. So uh, I think that is a combination of why we were ahead of our time. And hopefully we still are. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. A meeting of the minds. Yes. (laughs) I'm sure they both learned so many things that they were surprised about. Exactly. And even just learning to communicate, you know, between those different groups, there's a beauty in such different ways of thinking and coming together. And we still have that to this day. Yes. Oh, my goodness. And what was it like for the brand transitioning from an indie brand to mm-hmm. being acquired by a large company? Uh, yes. Well, you know, I joined the company after the acquisition by Unilever, but what I, from what I understand and what I see, the transition has been very smooth. Um, it's been, <laughs> I've been a part of companies that have gone through acquisitions before, and oftentimes you can see a parent company somewhat diminish the individual brand's identity and culture, and I think the Unilever Prestige Group has been very different, so each brand within the portfolio, its individuality and business model is highly respected, and the support and collaborative mindset is continually present from the broader organization, so I found it to be a really good experience. And of course, we have access to a lot more of Unilever's research um, initiatives and resources um, and highly talented people around the world to really help us pull off some amazing things. So, so far, so good. That's great. Yes. That is awesome. That is not, you know, that is not always the case. So that is is wonderful to hear. I speak from experience. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm very careful about looking into that. So I'm I'm happy. (laughs) That's great. 
So Unreal Candy, chocolate peanut butter is one of my all-time favorite combinations. So I've certainly tried. Those. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't like to eat things with a lot of ingredients. So that was such a nice thing to find. Definitely. And I mean, I think people didn't expect it to taste as good right. as it tastes, right? Having all those real ingredients, but a lot of it is also about those natural textures. You know, you almost become conditioned to tasting yeah. like that chalky peanut butter in a peanut butter cup, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. actually smooth and creamy and good for you, or I should say better for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a delight, that's for sure. <laughs> that was an aside that I just thought of. Uh, yeah, no, no. Asides are always good. <laughs> <laughs> so for Living Proof, did it take a while for them to start getting picked up by the bigger retailers like Sephora? Uh, You know, Sephora agreed to launch with us after our very first meeting, which was in the summer of 2008. So I guess about three years or so after launch. And they really loved our mission, but they especially loved our innovation focus and our proprietary science and our MIT partnership, which was, you know, a big Mm -hmm. part of our founding story. So um, we met with them in the summer of 2008 and we launched online in December. And then by February 2009, we were in all stores in the U.S. So, um, you know, it was, I think, pretty quick. Nowadays, I think, you know, a lot of indie brands are even quicker to be picked up by Sephora because there is so much emphasis on newness to the consumer. Um, But back on that day, it was a a pretty incredible timeline. Mm. And so what, for the first three years, what made them wait to pursue wholesale like that? You know, I'm not quite sure. I think a lot of it was really getting the product right um, and really honing in on our proprietary technology. So there was... um there's so much testing and everything is so rigorous within the product development construct at Living Proof that getting it right is, it's never rushed, right? And I'm sure that had to do a lot with uh, the development of the lines and how quickly they decided to try to sell them into different retail partners. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. What would you say is the cult product of Living Proof? I feel like there are so many. It's (laughs) yeah, yeah. I think the number one is definitely an obvious one. Um, So our our core business is super strong, but it's definitely led by our hero product, which is PhD dry shampoo. And the fascinating thing is that it's been the number one prestige dry shampoo since it was launched five years ago. Even though many of our competitors have launched countless versions. So they have various fragrances, textures, and forms. And ours remains number one with just this one version. And it's truly because it actually cleans hair. So a lot of those other dry shampoos on the market, they're not really great at actually cleaning. Um, They kind of just mask whatever's going on in there. (laughs) So, um, you know, that's definitely the most popular. And last quarter, we actually launched Jumbo Dry Shampoo, which was in response to the consumer obsession around that product. So we really had an opportunity to reanimate that product. And then I would say there are others that are cult favorites too, like Dry Volume Blast, uh, which we call DVB, is a hugely popular product as well. um, And it runs from there. Oh my goodness. And PhD is Perfect Hair Day? That's correct. Yes. It's one of our franchise lines. Oh my goodness. And something that's interesting that you just said is you are listening to the customer. You heard them saying, well, we love this. We want it in a bigger size. So do you want to maybe expand on how you take customer feedback 
and applying? Sure, definitely. I think, you know, now we're really, really amping that up. Over the past year, we have, or I should say, seven months since I started, but <laughs> um, we've really um, taken our consumer research a notch. Um, we've conducted a robust consumer segmentation initiative, um, both in the US and the UK. And really the way I like to look at it is psychographically and behaviorally based. So you know, the, the old method of thinking was really what demographics are we trying to reach, right? And as opposed to thinking that way, the way to emotionally connect is really to understand your consumers and listen to them and know what is important to them, where they're showing up and all that, who's influencing them. So we've done you know, a lot of um, analysis about our consumers and we've really also set out to proactively ask them what they want to see. So when it comes to products, when it comes to content, really getting them involved in that development process um, is a big shift, I would say, and one that's really, really important in the direction of brands today. We agree. It's fascinating. Okay, so what sets Living Proof apart in this crowded beauty and hair, spare, hair care space? I'm picturing in my local Sephora in Birmingham, I know exactly where Living Proof is. It's always been there. And then there are the little brands all around it. It's a good question. I think, you know, we stick by our heritage and innovation. And the difference between us and a lot of other brands is that Every formula we develop is designed in our in-house labs and the testing conducted in our labs in our in-house research salon is rigorous. So, you know, it's kind of unusual to have development labs and testing salons within an organization and we test hundreds of formulas before it gets to the final one that you see on the shelf. So once consumers use our products, they know they work. They can feel really confident that we've found the right solution for their hair care problem. Um, And I think that's because we we hold ourselves to a really high standard of analysis, knowing that our products are our own, right? And not a formula bought um, externally to the organization. Ah. So I think that's a big piece of it. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. And then this is a question specifically for you. So when you came on, it was September of of 19? That's right. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Have you implemented any changes or uh, what, you know, what are the things that you are most proud of since you came on board? I, you know, good question. Um, I think when I really started out at the organization, it was clear that we have so much obsession and love for our products. I mean, we have a wall in the office that is all, we call it our love quotes, right? So people who say our products have changed their lives and like to tell us our stories and reach out to customer service and give glowing reviews. But I think the thing that's been missing over the past few years is really the brand connection and the brand love. So oftentimes, you know, when we, when someone, if we mention the the brand living proof, someone will say, oh, the brand that makes the best dry shampoo, right? And so it's all connected Ah. to products, which is a great thing. But at the same time, it's really, really important to grow the brand love too, um, particularly today when consumers are putting so much emphasis on authentic purpose and storytelling Mm -hmm. and content through digital. So Throughout um, my first six months there, we focus, I mentioned, on the foundation of really understanding who the consumer is. And then in terms of our priority plans for the year, they involve telling our brand story, really getting back to our roots uh, about who we are and connecting with the consumer to tell, you know, one, why our products are better, um, our silicone-free angle, but also connecting them with them emotionally. 
and building a purpose platform as well that we're looking to launch in the next couple of months to really take that up a notch. So I'd say, you know, from the awareness perspective and the brand investment perspective, the things that I've set out to work on primarily include um, brand awareness from a, and the brand campaign, the brand story, um, purpose, and also um, our sustainability mission and really bringing that to life and upping our commitments that we intend to make as a brand uh, as part of our story moving forward. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. That yeah. sounds great. So many fun initiatives that we're going to answer. Yes. yes. <laughs> Let's start talking about the science behind the products. Okay, sure. Oh, a little bit about that. Sure. So, you know, there are a lot of top hair concerns that people would say, but amongst the tops of the tops, it would be frizz damage and fullness. Those would be kind of the three I'd highlight. Um, And our team of stylists and scientists, like I said, they analyze hundreds of products and, and formulas, but they also analyze hundreds of competitive products that have been on the market for years and years. And when they went through that initial phase, what they found was that the traditional beauty industry relies on heavy silicones and silicones really, they mask hair symptoms. They don't solve them. So they kind of perpetuate this cycle of damage. Um, and we you know, really, really looked to this positioning as a difference. And out of that research came three revolutionary molecular discoveries. And I think you know, the biggest piece of our science has really been our patented technology. And that's led to true breakthroughs. And consumers can see that in what's working in their hair, right? So um, you know, we're evolving that as we move forward. But we are always, we have a robust discovery team in the office in addition to our product development team who are working more kind of downstream um, or upstream, I should say, uh, to really figure out what the, the revolutionary technologies are that we can bring to our consumers to get the best innovations possible. And y'all have gotten a lot of awards. So tell us about some of those. Sure. You know, well, we have um, 20 patents now across 50 different products or so, and we've won, I think the current tally is 165 plus awards <laughs> for disrupting the industry. Yeah, it's a pretty fair amount. You know, everything from um, the beauty trade industry magazines to the traditional ones there everybody looks to for understanding whether or not they're succeeding right the consumer is always looking to places Mm -hmm. like the allure for their awards yeah Um, but really we've covered the gamut for across all of our different product lines and it's fun I would say it never gets old every time you get an award it doesn't get old so (laughs) right no it's so nice that all your hard work is recognized (laughs) yes definitely no matter what stage of life you're in, that's true. <laughs> yes, and so it's interesting, you've been in beauty, food, all these different categories. How how did that all happen, and are they, there similarities and differences? Yeah, you know, um, it's so interesting because I, so I really look at, I guess you could say I'm fascinated by the consumer, right? And so when I look at different industries, to me, it's all, about it can one consumer lends himself across different sectors and industries right so Mm -hmm. a lot of times people kind of think okay you went from food to sneakers to beauty a lot of companies don't even welcome that kind of trajectory right they're really looking for people who came from within their industry but i think 
that really that variety of perspectives is what lends itself to healthy dialogue and growth as well. And for me, when I think about, you know, better for you chocolate, when I think about running and the sneaker industry, and when I think about hair care, it's all about this wellness revolution, right? It all fits into that picture of where consumer trends are going. So I, to it sounds funny to a lot of other people. To me, it makes perfect sense in my head, right? It's not like I'm a consumer of just sneakers or a consumer of just shampoo, <laughs> right? I buy it all. So maybe not as, maybe not as much as I'd love to, but um, it, it's all connected in that perspective. That makes perfect sense to me, mm-hmm. actually. It does, and it's a very modern way of thinking, and thankfully some companies will welcome that, and the ones that, the inflexible ones that don't, maybe they won't survive anyway. Right, (laughs) right, exactly. Tell us, what are your personal favorite living proof products? Uh, well, you know, I have to say before coming to living to proof, I had tried a few of the products, but I hadn't tried a ton of them. And now I've tried pretty much everything. And especially while I'm at home, even though I haven't been washing my hair as much every time I do, I'm trying something different. Right. So I absolutely love our, uh, perfect hair day weightless mask, which launched a few months ago and I use it once a week. It really brings back so much life and energy to my hair. It's kind of like a mini spa treatment in the shower, which I think we can all use right now. So yes, um, that, that once a week pampering. Um, so I love that. And then I also just learned how to properly use our product. It's called Blowout. And I had really messed it up. So the first time I'd used it, I mm-hmm. thought, oh my gosh, this product is awful. And then I actually learned how to use it, which is something you need to pay attention to. You have to pay attention to the how-tos and the tips and tricks because they're really important. And now I'm obsessed with it. And I don't know how I blew out my hair before it. Um, I have very naturally thick, curly hair. And so, you know, the blowout experience can be somewhat tenuous and it's Mm -hmm. changed everything. So that would be my other one. Oh my goodness. Well, you talking about trying all these products. So I, you probably don't know this, but I started my career on the buying team at Barney's on the beach. Oh wow, I love Barney's. Yes, that's where Jackie and I met. And so I was revisiting my life, which I still am doing because I still have all the products, but trying millions of all these products you have to try them for a good amount of time right in order to see if it's effective but that's that's your life i love that <laughs> yeah it is definitely my life <laughs> your job that's is to awesome. try beauty products and so many other things okay Beans, you're the next question yeah <laughs> um okay this is a, a question that i wonder about and i think maybe it's different well it's different for everyone and it's certainly different as you get older but how often <laughs> She said you haven't washed your hair in eight days. <laughs> I know. And should we wash our hair? Right. Well, don't follow my um, behaviors of, re- of not late. Not quarantine. Yeah. Right. Not during quarantine. Rules are different. Um, but, you know, you're right. There's really no right or wrong answer to the question. And it should absolutely fit both the person's lifestyle and their hair type. So, you know, finer hair types might have to wash their hair a lot more frequently than coarser textured hair types. Mm-hmm. However, that being said, the more more frequently you wash your hair, the more you're signaling to your brain, hey, the oils in my scalp are leaving really quickly, so I should produce more oil, right, to make up for it. And so people end up complaining that they have to wash their hair every day because it's too oily. And usually that's not, it's kind of something they've conditioned 
for themselves as opposed mm-hmm. to something that has to be that way. So you can absolutely train your hair to not be more oily anymore by either one, I would say alternating washing it with just conditioner between shampoos or two by using dry shampoo. But you know, I, our testing salon stylists say that every two to three days is a very normal cadence, but four or five days can be even better. So you know, the less time wow. you spend washing your hair, the more time you can spend on your life. Um, and like I said, sure. They say four to five days is even better. I don't think they'd say day eight is better, but (laughs) (laughs) whatever works at the time, right? (laughs) Absolutely. It's kind of like, you know, if you wash your face too stridently, then the oils in your face will overproduce to make up for that dryness. So that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. And what are some... What are some tips for keeping our hair healthy? Uh, You know, good question. I've actually learned a lot about this too since working at Living Group. I think I knew certain things like, for example, regular hair trims, right? Stylists can't stress that enough, but every 12 weeks or so, the bottom of your hair starts to create split ends that grow up your hair shaft. Um, So even if you're growing your hair out, getting regular trims will help it grow healthier and faster. And that's kind of something I've always known, but I would say in addition to some of the methods that I just mentioned previously, you know, first a healthy scalp means healthy hair. So washing your hair does help clean your scalp, but you don't want to overdo it or you'll create that sebum issue we just chatted about. Um, But the other thing is good products with great ingredients, right? So you want ingredients that don't mask your hair issues, like I mentioned silicone does, um, and you want ingredients that actually help the integrity of your hair from the inside out. So um, you can do the, the, uh, sorry, use those techniques. You can also use the hair mask once a week, like I've been doing to give a little love, just like you do to your skin. Um, And then finally, I always use the heat protectant when you style your hair. And I think I was very guilty of not using one. And now I understand why it's so important. Um, And even if possible to limit that heat styling, but if you are going to heat style, definitely use a protectant. Those would be those would be the top tips. I think that my um, salon friends in, in our test salon would would definitely agree with and promote. Wow. Well, that's good to know because I will fess up. I do not use the heat protectant. So right. I'm going to mm-hmm. start doing that today because I <laughs> wow. fess up, Vivi. <laughs> I'm fessing up. I mean, there's so many things you put in your hair. You know, you're just like seriously. But yeah, that, I know. That, I think I started noticing a lot of breakage in the front of my hair. And once I started using a heat protectant, it's gotten a lot better. And those pieces have smoothed out. So, Okay, I'll give that a try for sure. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I know. I am really looking forward to when I'm due for a hair trim. So mm-hmm. whatever I think everybody is. <laughs> yeah, maybe so now. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I actually just got scissors in the mail yesterday that I've been waiting for for five months to cut my son's hair because he looks like one of the Beatles right now. <laughs> oh, that is so funny. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. So cute. <laughs> so cute. Yeah. If only my husband would let me, that would be the next step. But <laughs> <laughs> No, don't try it. I, try, I, I did that with my husband's hair and thank goodness it was in the back. Because he yeah. can't see exactly what I did. I didn't do a very good job. <laughs> I kind of cringe when I think about it, but you know, right. I tried. <laughs> you have other skills we can focus on. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
Now tell us, what does your role as chief marketing officer look like? So the responsibilities, day in the life, things like that. I uh, yeah, well, it is always different every single day. Um, no day is the same. It's very, very fast paced with many decisions getting made um, across the organization really. And that hasn't changed since we've been home either, right? I think um, everyone's dealing with a very new dynamic right now and trying to figure a lot out. So my team leads brand development, creative strategy, innovation strategy, um, consumer engagement, which is really social media, influencers, PR, um, channel marketing, and our dot-com platform. So we have a lot going on for sure. And we're always working, I would say every day is a combination of working toward short-term goals. Like we're launching an innovation and we need to get the campaign and the assets out the door. And then those longer term goals that are more associated with brand building and long-term innovation strategy. So it's really, it's never the same, which I guess is why I've always loved marketing so much because you can't repeat something. Um, <laughs> that's true and it's extremely fast-paced a lot of energy yes we love the energy New York City has lost its energy which makes me so sad I know I know I it's that's my hometown too so and I've been hearing all the stories from my friends and my little brother there and it's just ugh, I just can't it's even breaking it. yeah I know it but it'll be back it will it always will it will. And so now we can talk about sustainability. Tell us about Living Proof's commitment to sustainability. I love the that you can send back the containers and things yes. like that. Yeah, we actually just launched that partnership. Um, it's a partnership with TerraCycle, and it makes our products 100% recyclable in the U.S. and Canada for free for the consumer. Um, so we're really excited about that, and we have more coming. Um, we are also making a lot of commitments in terms of packaging. So we're ramping up our use of PCR in our products year by year, increasing that percentage. And then we're working to test some more innovative packaging ideas as well in the coming years. You know, things fillables and um, a lot of other really, really fascinating things are coming on the market that are helping brands to really live a more sustainable life. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, we all know we have a big responsibility to drive toward making those improvements. So I'm really excited about the commitments we've made and we're actually, you know, we've, we've put them into writing, we're announcing them um, and making sure that we, we make ourselves stick to it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Have the accountability. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And so important, you're thinking about all the right things that the consumer mm -hmm. going forward is going to want. Purpose, mm -hmm. sustainability, <laughs> all Right. Hopefully, hopefully. And I think those things will continue. If anything, you know, the current situation is going to make those things um, yeah. even more important. So 100%. So mm -hmm. this, tell us how has the marketing world changed since you started your career and even in the last two months? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Good question. So I think, you know, I was lucky I started my career right at the beginning of the digital explosion. So I could kind of follow that more modern marketing path. Um, but a lot has changed. And I think, you know, there are several areas I would cite specifically. So one of those we already talked about, which is the necessity to have an authentic purpose and really do good for consumers in the planet. 
Um, the other is the sophistication of measurement and optimization. So really the ability to test, learn, and maximize everything that you're doing within the marketing space. That has come a huge, huge way since I started. Um, I would also say, and this is, this is something that goes to the current environment even more so within the past two months, but the need for a very robust content strategy and consumer connection. And I think a lot of that is getting much more raw at this point, which is great. I mean, you're seeing it pretty much across industry and sector with um, you know, Saturday Night Live being on Zoom, right? Everything is right. a lot produced. And I think we'll see more of that as time moves on. Um, you see platforms like TikTok coming up where it's really, it's just all about that raw energy at home and connecting. Um, which is really exciting. And then the last thing I might speak to would just be a more integrated channel approach for the consumer. So, you know, I grew up in an era where things were sometimes siloed. So, you know, a dot-com experience might be very, very different from what you see at retail. And in fact, they may not be even managed within the right. organization. So for the consumer, of course, they see your brand across those touch points and channels they can't be managed independently of one another anymore. So I think that's mm -hmm. been another big change. Absolutely. And then, you know, in the last two months or so, you see a lot of brands trying to figure out um, how to act in this time. Mm -hmm. And there's no rule book, of course, but mm -hmm. you know, some of those big shifts in addition to content and connection, I would say, would be those more live raw experiences. So for us, um, asking the consumers what they want to see with tutorials and tips and tricks and things like that, we've really been trying to connect those dots a lot more um, and bring them into this kind of community as people are, quite frankly, they're looking for things to consume right now. Um, and by consume, I mean information, education, and content or entertainment. Right. Sure. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, that reminds me, when I interned at Versace, during market, some of the stores would have separate buyers for store and online, yeah. and I couldn't mm -hmm. understand that, and I think that must have changed now, but it's it's exactly, same with magazines, like they exactly different floors, mm -hmm. and the print, and it's different it's, editors, exactly, yeah. like, I did a bit of work with magazines as well as a client, and it was the same thing, I mean, and, and quite frankly, more recent organizations I've worked for as well, where it's still pretty disjointed, and that, of course, ends up being the experience that the consumer sees so absolutely oh yeah absolutely it's very confusing and and frustrating exactly for the consumer yeah exactly yes and what should cmos keep in mind for 2020 and into the future <laughs> oh gosh well i i think just knowing we're all going to make a lot of mistakes, right? Um, so I think there's a lot of pressure on marketing to kind of figure it out right now. And there are a lot of perspectives that are very subjective and you could just get down sure. a rabbit hole of perspectives and information. Um, and I would say everyone's a bit on edge, right? When you start to mm -hmm. figure out, it's just horrible. So many jobs are being lost and businesses are shifting oh, and there's so much it. to figure out that it just, it creates a lot of uncertainty. So I think the important thing is just to stick to your intuition. And 
when in doubt, always ask the consumer first, right? So, um, you know, those dynamics are changing rapidly. I think there's been, there's a lot of, oh, we need to shift everything right now. But quite frankly, there also can, the, there's also the side where consumers want to see some of the things they always see. They don't want everything mm-hmm. to be different. Right. So you have to be careful about that balance, I think, and just stay yeah. really plugged in, you know, to the, that market pulse, stay really close right. to it. Mm-hmm. I think that's great advice. And I feel like Delia and I have been on so many Zoom calls and, you know, Vogue and CFDA and BOF and, you know, just all and read so much about, mm-hmm. you know, maybe this is what we should do and this is what we should do and this is what it's going to be like. And we've got to pivot this way and this way and this way. You know, it's just like enough. You know, it's right. too mm-hmm. much. The, yeah. And I think it's brilliant to say it's really as simple as know your customer, know your client yes. and be there to, you know, to support them in any way you can. And I think the fact that you already have a quality product, you know, it doesn't marketing kind of takes care of itself a little bit because you're not having to make up ways to make your product sexy or something because it already right, has, right. you know, the purpose, the sustainability, the consumer connection, the quality. I think it's a great price point for a luxury, you know, shampoo. Mm-hmm. Some shampoos are so expensive that, I know, you know, I know. I, I, what, what, you know they, they can't be that good. I mean, it's yeah. just kind of crazy. <laughs> you know? So, I know. I, you know, I think that, um, and I think also the idea of constant newness and, you know, like I sent my husband, my husband, you know, just uses shampoo from the drugstore and he right. came back one day and he's like, I, I can't, I couldn't get any shampoo. And I said, what are you, talking about it because there were so many funny smells and some was for volume and some was for frizz and some was for colored hair and I just wanted regular old you know <laughs> yeah. shampoo where what kind where is that now you know and so um that's funny. there's you know there's just a lot of mess out there and so it's kind of like when you're that that and the packaging living proof is very sort of matter of fact None Mm -hmm. of it is like you're trying to, you know, it's real. It's not this Instagrammable packaging and then you get it and it's, and it's nothing, (laughs) nothing against Instagram, but you know what I'm saying? Right. I think we're really looking for real things now, you know, that really do what they're supposed to do and that we can, you know, count on and feel good about and, um, and all that stuff. So what is upcoming for Living Proof? Um, you know, I think there's a lot that's upcoming that we were, we're still planning on, um, mm-hmm. really getting back to our roots and reminding consumers what make us so innovative and different. So really mm-hmm. getting a lot louder with our brand story. Um, second, we have a lot of new exciting product plans. So you know, last year, one of our most successful launches was Restore Dry Scalp Treatment, which balances the microbiome of your scalp. And from a scientific standpoint, we think the skinification trend is really interesting. You know, it's come a long way within um, understanding the consumer understanding within skincare, and now it's starting to transfer over to hair. And it really highlights kind of that this role that biological processes have in creating healthy hair. So we've developed some really interesting innovations in this space uh, that will launch in the coming months. 
And then we're also really excited about, you know, in addition to the things I mentioned, like purpose and sustainability, we have some really exciting new partnerships with leaders in other industries. So you'll have to stay tuned for what those are, but I think, you know, they're, they'll go a long way to expanding our brand platform. So I'm very excited about that. That's awesome. Did you, yeah, there's the question. What is skinification? I'm like, I've never heard of skinification. Yeah, that's what we, that's what we call it. Yeah, the skinification of, of hair. So, um, you know, if you if you look around that kind of consumer, I would say the sophistication towards skincare and having a skincare regimen, it's mm-hmm. definitely ahead of hair care, right? So I think it's starting to shift and evolve into the hair care space as well. And we've seen a ton of hair care growth in the marketplace. So um, I guess it's it's really about applying, it's the, um, the evolution of the category is definitely falling into that skin, that skincare place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's very interesting. Yeah. And you think that, um, is the scalp product that you all have, is it like a scrub? No, it's not. Um, and I probably shouldn't give too much away about it, but it really, oh, if it's new, you don't have yeah, to. Yeah, yes, exactly. Um, the okay, one that launched this past, this past year, um, restore dry scalp treatment. Yeah, that yes. is, um, that is a treatment that you put on your hair, um, you know, on your part and other places, yeah. either wet or it's dry. It's more like a cream texture, and it helps to solve that dry, itchy scalp thing going on. That's <laughs> For, nice. Like, That's those, great. You know, That's great. Um, the microbiome of your scalp. That that sounds great. Yeah, that I really love great. that product. Yeah, that sounds really nice, especially in the winter. Okay, well. I always ask this during podcast interviews, but it's never been as relevant as it is right now. Um, It's remarkable to me that we thought before all of this happened that we were living in sort of, you know, Mm -hmm. uncertain times. We didn't know where anything was headed as far as retail and, you know, and everything. And now, Mm -hmm. you know, now that was nothing. I mean, compared to what we're living in now. So how are you staying positive? Yeah, it is amazing how that question has changed. And there was so much, there was a lot to be anxious about, right? A few months ago before all this. So it is, it's, it blows your mind, quite frankly. Um, It does. Yeah, absolutely. And it's tough for everyone right now in, in very different ways. Obviously, there are different scales to that spectrum. I think the important thing is to respect that everyone has different variables and values. And in, in my case, I have a one-year-old and a four-year-old at home, right? So there is mm-hmm. no sense of balance whatsoever or regularity. <laughs> I'm working from my kitchen and, and there's certainly not a rest minute of the day. Um, so I hear a lot mm-hmm. of people saying, oh, I'm doing this to find my alone time and my space. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. what alone time and space? Right. What is this thing you talk right. about? Um, so you know, for me, <laughs> it's absolutely critical to get out with my family every day. I'm very much a fresh air person. And mm-hmm. you know, sometimes that's a simple walk around the neighborhood looking for rocks and sticks, right? Sure. Not everyone has a backyard or ample space at home. So we just love to get outside um, when we can. Um, yesterday in the middle of the day, I went for a bike ride with my son. Um, and that was probably the best day of my month. And, um, you know, I guess I'm also really lucky that I have always been a runner and running outside is probably one of the easier mental wellness activities you can do right now to clear out that emotional weight and 
um, and stay positive. But I'll admit, just like anyone else, it's hard. I mean, the the emotional swings are definitely mm-hmm. rampant right now as everyone's grappling with um, so much that they're unsure about. Right? Mm-hmm. There's no time horizon to at the point at this point either. Right. Just trying really hard. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And it's interesting because so before the emphasis was on the angry world, and I'm just thinking about this as you're speaking, the anger, that's one good thing that seems to, mm. that's not as people aren't as angry right now, you know, collectively, everybody's not screaming at each other, but, right. not as but much. now everyone is, is fearful and anxious and, and it's almost, you know, it's just the strangest thing to me that we are alone, but we are in this the entire world. It's this global, uh, you know, I've never felt like that before. And yes, I'm 57 so years true. old. You feel uh-huh. very sort of tender towards everybody in the world, you know, right. hang in there. You know, right. we're going to get through it. It's just it's so weird. true. And if you start to think about everyone's situations individually, you know, right. from college seniors to I mean, right. everything, it's right. just, it's too much. It's just, it there's so much. much to tackle. So it is crazy that every single person, every single one. Oh my God. You know, this, like they say, everything in history has passed and this is going to pass. So that's what we're focusing on. And we will always talk about, remember? Yeah. (laughs) During the pandemic. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) How with the little ones, tell us about that and your incredible career, how you've done that. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure how, quite frankly, I don't know. Um, I, I, it's been really difficult. I think there are a lot of times where I, again, I'm a very honest person when it comes to leadership in particular, but every time I get in an airplane to go somewhere, I definitely have a few moments of tears. I'm definitely an emotional mother. Um, I waited a long time and took a long time to have children. And so Mm -hmm. I've course want to have those experiences with them um and I'm I would say you know for for me I'm lucky I have a a really strong partner my spouse right who is also equally invested in all that too but it is certainly a balancing act every day and um you know it's not the same experience for everyone definitely so Mm -hmm. I just try to be as communicative as possible and also stand my ground right so create those boundaries and say, you know what, actually this date, I cannot do this. This date Mm -hmm. has to be about um, whatever's going on with the kids. And Mm -hmm. I think if you do that, that you'll be true to yourself. And in the long term, you're the one who will remember those things, but not everyone else. Right. So that's what's important. Yeah, definitely. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much. This has been incredible. Thank you. It's super fun. And I also love hearing your Southern voices. You know, my mom was from Virginia and I grew up with a very strong um, presence of Southern voices in my family. And I I love, I just love it. It brings me (laughs) back a little bit. My grandmother and my mother. So. (laughs) The College of William Mary in Virginia. I'm sorry. I went to William and Mary. Oh, you did? Oh, wow. Yeah, my mom went to Averett and then BCU. She went to both back in the day. Oh, wow, <laughs> that's so yeah. neat. Yeah. yeah. Thank you all for tuning in to the Sound the Finds podcast, and we will see you next time. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks so Take much. Care. If you like what you heard, 
tell a friend about our show, subscribe to our podcast, and also scroll to the bottom and give a rating and or a review. Those are the best ways for other people to find out about our podcast. See you next time. Bye.